calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy. Written and produced by Travis Heerman. Voice talent by Danielle McCarville and Zeus Legion. For more information, please visit TravisHeerman.com. This novel contains violence and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 5. You cannot tell whether a person is good or evil by his vicissitudes in life. Good and bad fortune are matters of fate. Good and bad actions are man's way. Hagakure. A knock at the door of his office drew Yasutoki from his reverie. He had been thinking about Silvercrane again, the famous blade that had been gone from the world for over thirty years. Gone from the world but not from memory. A weapon prized by the Taira clan during the long war with the Minamoto clan. The rediscovery of such a weapon might be enough to galvanize the scattered remnants of his kinsmen, reunite them, bring them back to power, once the Minamoto clan and their allies had been cast down by the Mongol invaders. The door slid open, revealing one of the house servants. I am sorry, Yasutoki-sama. I am being rude. There is someone to see you. He says you are expecting him. His name is Akihiro. Yasutoki had not been expecting this man so soon. See him to my office, and bring some hot sake as well. As you wish, Yasutoki-sama. Excuse me. The servant shut the door again. Yasutoki suppressed a surge of excitement. His months of preparation might begin to pay off. He hoped that this man had been worth his effort. He did not suffer disappointment with a pleasant nature. In the meantime, he made sure several of his poison-tipped shuriken were prepared. A servant brought warm sake and two cups. When the door opened, he was waiting behind his desk. Greetings, Akihiro, Yasutoki said cordially. The man stepped into the room, and the servant slid the door shut behind him. 
he was dressed in the dusty robes of an itinerant merchant. The man bowed and seated himself across the desk from Yasutoki. Greetings, Yasutoki-sama. How is the sake trade? Yasutoki asked loud enough to be heard in the hallway. Would you care to sample some of our own local brew? Business is terrible, the man replied. Let us sample your sake. Yasutoki studied his face. Was this the same man he had met on Mount Ono? He had not seen the man's face in decades. His face was remarkable in that it was completely unremarkable. He was so nondescript that Yasutoki wondered if he would remember the man's appearance a few days from now. It was the perfect face for someone of his profession. A porcelain mask, betraying no emotion. Yasutoki wondered if some sort of shadow charm or magic was at work here, manipulating his perception of the man's features. There were tales of such abilities, and Yasutoki wouldn't have put it past Kage to have discovered them. Yasutoki offered him a cup, which he took, and poured some sake for him. So, Kage, he said, his voice little more than an imperceptible mutter, I have been looking forward to your visit for some time. I'm sure you have, Kage said in a similar voice. I have accomplished much. I hope it is worth the price. First, Kage said, payment. Yasutoki stiffened, but kept his composure at the man's abrupt manner. Very well. He pulled a silk purse from his sleeve, heavy with the weight of coins and precious stones, and placed it in front of him on the desk. Kage unslung a satchel from his shoulder and placed it upon the table. Then he reached for the purse. Wait, Yasutoki said, laying his left hand on the purse. Kage's hand froze, but his mask-like countenance betrayed no emotion. Yasutoki said, First, you must tell me what I can expect to find in here. Kage's voice was dispassionate, and his hand remained poised above the table. Detailed observations of the fighting strength of every Nishimuta and Otomo lord in the north. Information on the lesser families and clans of the central provinces will be coming soon. What about the Shimazu clan in the south? Soon enough. I thought it best to concentrate on the most important forces first. Yasutoki nodded. Very good. Excellent. He took his hand off the purse. Kage's hand resumed its forward motion, picked up the pouch, and withdrew with it. Yasutoki said, I trust the amount is sufficient to our bargain. The purse disappeared into Kage's robes. If it is not, I will return for the rest. Yasutoki ignored the comment. The rest of your payment will come when I receive the information about the remaining thieves. Our business here is concluded then. So it is. The man known as Kage bowed to Yasutoki, stood up, and left the room with the sound of a shadow. Yasutoki picked up the satchel, untied the flap, and looked inside. There were dozens of small, tightly wrapped scrolls. He picked one at random and opened it. With a grin, he found it concerned the fief of Lord Nishimuta Nojiro, Lord Tsunetomo's father-in-law. Two hundred able-bodied samurai, 
potential conscripts numbering over a thousand, four hundred horses, two master swordsmiths, four apprentice swordsmiths, four armorers, four bowyers. He put a lid on the bubbling pot of his inner glee. Kage had indeed been thorough. He put the scroll back into the satchel and stuffed the satchel inside a secret compartment in the rear of his writing desk. If this were found, it would cost Yasutoki his head. Already his mind was swirling about how best to compile the information and relay it to the Khan. He would have to travel to Hakozaki on some imaginary errand and send word to the Khan's spies there. This information was the key to the great Khan's conquest, and he knew the Golden Horde would put it to the best possible use. All that remained for him was to uncover the same information from Lord Tsunetomo's fief. Tsunemori was secretive, as if he could sense the danger in allowing it to Yasutoki. If Yasutoki made any direct inquiries and observations around the castle, Tsunemori's suspicions would be even more aroused. No, only in Tsunemori's complacency could Yasutoki operate at will. Yasutoki would have to undertake this task personally. While his mind was on the subject of spies, he wondered again what happened to the spies he dispatched so long ago to find the ronin, Kanishi. Yasutoki had many other things occupying his attention lately, but the ronin and his stolen treasure were never far from his mind. He was a curiosity, an unusual tool. Of course, there was no question that Silver Crane would be wrested from him eventually. The Ronin could not be allowed to keep it, but he seemed to have been swallowed by the earth. Nevertheless, the men Yasutoki had hired to find him were skilled and resourceful. They would succeed. Of that he had no doubt. Thank you for listening to Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy by Travis Heerman. Volume 2, Sword of the Ronin, and Volume 3, Spirit of the Ronin, are available now on your favorite audiobook platform. Please visit TravisHeerman.com, look me up on social media, or send me an email. I would love to hear what you think about the story. <laughs>